Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You are at the spot, the place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. We're in Washington, in California, I mean, California, in the United States, Washington, with Gene Bonds. Hi, Gene. Good day to you. Let me tell you a little bit about Gene. Gene is the founder of the International Leadership outreach what she does is amazing work in kenya she found that to be her heart's passion and when you hear more about the uh the program and the outreach that she's doing you're going to be fascinated she's also a podcaster i love sister podcasters but she's working in the educational realm to help create some resilience and reconciliation You know, educators have been hit so hard. They never signed up to be the bulletproof shield. They never signed up to be the mass monitor. They never signed up to have their tenure exploited uh, because if you don't do what I say and get the jab and the injection, you're out. So there's a lot. And, you know, let's just look at primary school. You got almost 25, 26, sometimes 30 kids in a class and one educator, no support not enough supplies, but still they show up every day. And those are some of my favorite people on the planet brains is teachers and nurses. And you will hear me say that over and over and over again. Those are God's angels. They weren't um, designed to do what they are now expected to do. And then disrespected and not paid beyond a living uh, wage. You know, they should be paid what doctors are being paid. But we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Let's welcome her to the show. How you doing, Jane Bonds? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for the good work that you're doing and how you're showing up in the world. Tell my brains what planet you're from and uh, how'd you land there and what's going on there? I am in Pasco, Washington, and it is the southeastern part of Washington State, uh, where there's Kennewick and Richland next door. Uh, my parents died two years ago, and I moved here. Hmm. I grew up mostly on the West Coast, uh, Tacoma, Edgewood, Puyallup, that area. And, and now that I'm here, living here, I love it. It's laid back, relaxed. I feel like vacation every day. There's a lot of sunshine, so it's just perfect for me. Really nice people there? Absolutely. Good food? Yeah, <laughs> The food is the food everywhere you go. You know, you have to. Uh, no, uh, not everywhere you go, because some folks, some places, there's no good food. Is there any Mexican food up there? Oh, definitely. Oh, okay. Considerable amount of Mexican food. Yes. Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that. All right. So and I can make my own soul food. So if I got those three, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Right. <laughs> so are you married? Do you have children? Do you have a cat? I have no creatures in my home at this time. I have lived with animals in the past. Uh, I have two children. My daughter is an opera singer, and my son is a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. 
All right. Now you said both your parents, they didn't both die at the same time two years ago. Eight months apart, exactly to the day. They were married 62 years. Oh, well, you know, peanut butter. My father, my father was 97. My mother was 88. Wow. Wow. Those are full lies. We always say that, but it's never full enough. But the Bible says if you get 70, you know, you're doing pretty good. Anything else, you're riding on grace. So yeah. tell us about the grace that you produce in the world in your philanthropic efforts. Let's start with that, the nonprofit. Mm, perfect. Uh, I have uh, gone to Kenya nine times. So this last trip I took in January, uh, December, January of 2000. 21 and 22, uh, I took reusable sanitary pads with me that were given to me by an individual here in the local area. And the women in Africa that I um, shared them with were so excited. They just were like, we think we can make these. And I was so astounded with their ideas and the, the fact that they were so motivated by that, that when I came home, I said, well, let's see what we can start over there. And so we began a school where they're teaching the girls how to make the sani pads. And so far, they've distributed 150 sani pads, reusable sani pads to local high schools, where the girls uh, typically miss five to seven days a month uh, because of their period. They don't have any, um, if they don't have the money to go buy it, then they'll like, um, do some hard labor or they'll have sex with some guy for 50 bob to get some sanding pads and 20% of those girls get pregnant. So it's a real issue in Kenya. You can imagine if the girls miss five to seven days a month, every month, then how their grades would suffer for that. And then eventually they drop out because the parents are like, well, you're not doing well in school. So we're not going to pay for you to go to school. Mm -hmm. So you can see how it becomes a whole problem. But you know, it's a lot going on. So let me tell you this quick story. I met the author and the creator of the television show on Netflix, Orange is the New Black. Wow. And I had no idea until I was watching that show that women were not given sanitary pads or any type of sanitation. I thought that was a basic human right. Mm -hmm. You know? So what I did was I contacted some people that I knew with Procter & Gamble and Johnson & Johnson. They sent me boxes and boxes. I packed them up and sent them to the local female prison here in San Diego, California. And you know, they returned them to me. What? They would not accept them. They would not accept them because they wanted them to purchase them with their commissary money because they're privatized prisons. And so they have to go and earn the money or get the money, you know, from whatever people put on their books and purchase that. And I was just, I cried. I literally cried. I wow. just could not believe that. So I could, <clears throat> and that's here, that they just deny them that. There are women like you're helping in Kenya that are ecstatic for getting that. <clears throat> Tell me a little bit about, I wish you had one there to show because we're mature enough to look at that. Um, but what is what is it made out of? What kind of fiber is it when you say that it's, it's reusable and sustainable? Oh, thank you for that. So uh Perhaps you're familiar with Days for Girls. It's a very famous organization. There's a couple of enterprises in Kenya. So I connected the ladies in Kimulili where I go uh, regularly uh, to this enterprise that was close by. And they went there 
and they got the pattern from them and they found they found through them the source for their flannel and something called PUL fabric, which is um, polyurethane and uh, it's breathable. So uh, the pads that I brought, they were going to duplicate those. But when they saw this other pattern, they were like, well, that's a little bit better because it gets so hot in Kenya that those pads, when they're thick like that, they don't uh, dry very well. So these, um, there's a, a shield and then you insert these different layers of flannel into, so depending upon the, the heaviness of the flow, you mm -hmm. can put as many as you need in there and you just have to wash those um, strips individually. And they're all made of beautiful colors, Katanga fabric and whatever, uh, so that it it's not identifiable readily as what they really are. <laughs> well, that's beautiful because there's a cultural difference there uh, when it comes to sex and how women are treated. I know I had other guests on my show that they're still doing uh, female castration. Yeah. And they're sending them, I can't believe this, from San Diego back to their country to get this done and brought back because yeah. they want the woman to be pure for their yeah. dowry and to be married and they want, you yeah. know. It's actually illegal in Kenya. It's called female uh, muti uh, genital, genital mutilation, FGM. Yeah. Yeah. I only heard about it when I was working for World Vision and I was like, what the heck is that? I'd never uh, heard of it before in my life. They, they sew up the, the, sometimes they sew up the vagina or they mm -hmm. cut off the clitoris so that there's no, yeah sexual stimulation because yeah. they don't want there to be any pleasure but could you imagine a woman still trying to have her monthly ministration and she's been sold or what's going to happen when she actually has sex with that person right. or when she tries to deliver a baby i mean it is yeah. just it's catastrophic yes. it becomes quite a problem over there and uh so the woman celeste mergens who's part of days for girls really works with uh, that population and that issue over there uh, especially in the Kisi area, which is a little bit south of Kimilili, where I've uh, done my work. Uh, but yeah, they they do that, and uh, even though it's illegal, and so what she did was talk to them about, she calls it bridging. So the idea is, okay, what do you do before the cut, and what do you do after the cut? And so then she said to them, okay, why don't you just do the before and the after without the cut? Right. And because they themselves didn't want to let go of their culture and yet they they knew the risk like it's super risky all the blood that well, it's, mean, but it's not sterilized i mean they're doing it in no. a tribal hut they're not yeah. doing it in a hospital setting no because it's illegal so <laughs> but again yeah, there's different cultures there's different rituals yeah. that us as americans you know we can't snub our nose at this is something that's been going on for generations it's right. not, I don't feel that it's right, um, but you know there's there's more to it than that. What took you to Kenya to begin with? There was uh, an individual that I met online through a couple of other people that I knew online, and uh, I just said hello to him in the chat when I was on a webinar one day, and he found me on Facebook and invited me to come and teach English as a second language to his community-based organization teaching. They, they had what they call baby class, which is like the three and four-year-olds up to what we would call eighth grade. Uh, and that school is still continuing. I worked with him for four of my trips. Uh, I took a chiropractor, a friend of mine, to Kenya and introduced him to that school. And he is still working with that school. Um, but then at some point, uh, I saw that 
what I wanted to do was work with the teachers and he wanted me to focus on the children. And so we were not aligned in our purposes. And so then the chairman of the board of the school came to me and said, you promised you were gonna speak at my church. I was like, okay. And so then we, he created a tour and that's when I met uh, the gentleman that's my host and his wife uh, in Kimilili. And that was in 2016. And so all my trips since then have been focused upon that area. It's in the northwestern corner of Kenya. And so I think it's interesting. I'm from the Northwest and I go to the Northwest corner of Kenya. Let me ask you a question because I'm curious and my brains are curious too. As a white woman going to an indigenous African continent, how were you received and what was your perception? I know it was a culture shock when you first got there. Actually, no, uh, they loved me. They call me mom, which mm -hmm. is really sweet. I feel like a queen when I'm there. And some people have called me on the carpet before, but you know what? Kenya is a very hospitable country and they love people to come from another culture, from another place. And uh, it, it was part of learning about my purpose and why I'm on this earth. I never felt that I had the opportunity to speak in my own country. And in Kenya, they let me do whatever I wanted to do. And it was so fabulous. <laughs> you felt free. So, okay, you said you were called under the carpet. For saying, for saying that I, that I was treated like a queen. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, so, there's, queens all, there's queens all over. And you know, the queen is not just about being wearing the tiara. It is about how you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. You are regal. You are respectful. Mm -hmm. You are honored. Uh, you have wisdom, you have grace. So yes, wear your crown. Bless you. Talk about your crown. I've been looking at your haircut. You got a, a pretty tribal uh, haircut too. You got lines. Yeah, yeah. you're doing the most. Yes, yes. So what, uh, have you always had that haircut? Yeah, uh, there was a period of time. In fact, the woman who used to cut my hair when I had the lines, uh, I took her to Kenya twice with me mm. and she got to uh, accomplish her lifelong dream. Uh, to speak to the people in Kenya and her goal was to to work with the children uh, now the the hair that I have today is a little bit reflective of the fact that when I was in Kenya this last time I got COVID which uh, combined with the air flight the international air flight it's eight hours from Nairobi to Amsterdam and 10 hours from Amsterdam to SeaTac mm. uh, and the fact that my father had um, blood clots when he was in his older years, um, all that combination, wow. I ended up with a blood clot. So uh, the blood, the um, blood thinner kind of caused some little issues with my hair, but because I wear my hair short anyway, it's just kind of, well, okay, this is what it is. And you caught, I, COVID, I, you caught COVID over there or you caught COVID? In Kenya, in Kenya yes. How was that? Were you really scared? Again, because the medical is different. No, I didn't know I had COVID. This is the fun. This is the fun part about all the things that I've done. Like, I just um, go and believe that everything's going to be fine. Mm. So it was when I got to the airport and I was standing in line to get on the plane. <laughs> that's when I got the the report saying you're positive for COVID. I was like, great. So I had another eleven days in Kenya, which was fabulous because normally. I go to Kenya, I do my work. It's not really a travel, you know, luxury kind of a trip, right? right. 
So I was, you know, basically I had to stay in, in Nairobi, you know, I couldn't go anywhere. So uh, I was in a hotel, I, you know, hired a driver, we went to um, Nairobi National Park. Um, I had my wedding dress made just, you know, stuff, you know, I, I wow. just did the, the thing that you do as a tourist. So it well, was a very different everybody trip. doesn't do a thing with COVID in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> But you are adventurous and, you know, I really give you a lot of credit for that. So you said a wedding dress. Did you recently get married? So I um, wanted to get married like all my life and I've been married before and it was not uh, successful. So I had a date set for August 14th of this year and I'm in a program called uh, Team Management and Leadership Program. And it's a year-long program. This weekend will be the final weekend of this program. So it's a, a transformative, transformative program, meaning that you experience everything. It's not just about learning some knowledge, right? And so as my, I said to my coach on the 2nd of August, my, the date I set was August 14th. And on the 2nd of August, I said, I declare a breakdown. I don't have this guy that I'm going to marry. And so she walked me through the steps of what that is about and at the end she said I assert the beloved you're looking for is yourself wow and I cried I was just so moved by that so you did a Dennis Rodman you married yourself bless you for seeing the that so in that moment I saw how to honor my word which was to have a ceremony which I did on August 14th with my wedding dress and flowers and a cake and a tiara and my ring. I don't know if you can see it. Oh. Um, and uh, I walked down the aisle and I had an officiant. I created a ketubah, which is uh, something in, in Judaism that you, the man does, makes all of the declarations and the woman just signs it. So I created one of those. Wow. And, uh, How liberating. Yeah, and here's the part that I did not expect. So once that was over, it took a couple of months to settle in. And I hired a coach, a relationship coach to uh, create this love of my life, right? After I got done with that ceremony, I didn't want to go do the homework for that. And it took me a couple months and I realized I don't have that compulsive, addictive desire to be married. I am content with my life the way it is. I'm very satisfied. Not to say that I could be married in the future, but I love my life the way it is. It's Absolutely. really a, a fascinating thing when you powerfully complete yourself in that fashion. Wow. Well, like I said, bravo. That, that really took a lot of courage and that was very mm -hmm. enlightening and mm -hmm. very, very liberating. So I commend yes. you, you know, and now you are only beholden and responsible to self. Brains, that's, that's a lot. Yes. Maybe that's more of a responsibility than being rid of somebody else. Because if you get a, a little kerfuffle or you get annoyed, you can't leave yourself. You're stuck with them. <laughs> yeah. And I made some pretty strong vows that day about being the kind of woman that it takes and uh, caring for my evolving self, you know. That's, and I think that's what happens. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to get married and that other person will do X, Y, Z. Well, right. no, They're gonna complete not if you're not doing time. what you need to for yourself, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll tell you, well, honey, you're going back and forth to Africa. You better watch it. You're going to get one of them tribal kings, your queen, <laughs> and be there and, you know, just enjoy life. So speaking of enjoying life, what else do you do that just really brings you the ultimate joy when you're not doing your philanthropic work? 
I have a variety of things that I love to do. Most recently in April, I was taking what I call a meditation nap where I was laying down and meditating. And this polar bear came to me and I was like, okay, that's interesting. What is your name? And he told me his name. And so I, I wrote a story about it. And then there was another creature that came. It was a hummingbird and so on. Like, this was a very new thing for me. And so uh, I realized that I had a podcast on my hands mm. and um, I wrote 13 episodes. And then I asked a friend of mine who does spontaneous music. She does personal songs and sound baths to create the uh, background music for each of the episodes while I generated the script. Mm. And so uh, I have a full um, first season of my podcast wow. uh, as a digital product up on um, Gumroad for people to purchase. So you're going to definitely give me the link to that so people can go to it and subscribe yes. and listen to it. So tell me, what is it about these characters that you've created and the, and the hummingbird and the polar bear, what is the premise? What do they talk about? Well, each of them have their own characteristics. And so it's exploring what those correct characteristics uh, mean to, to me and to them and how I might be able to use them or how an, uh, any individual might be able to use those characteristics in their life. For example, the, the polar bear is a very solid character uh, you think about like it lives in a very ubiquitous environment, meaning there's you can't tell, you know, up, down, north, south, <laughs> and yet it always knows where true north is at. So think about adding that kind of value or characteristic to your life by considering the polar bear. Like it's a very powerful thing. And then the hummingbird is about joy, you know, and uh, I do all the voices for these characters. So the polar bear is really low. And the hummingbird is very high. Oh, it's wow. Really fun. Yeah. That and seems so like a lot of fun. The hummingbird sings, um, Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, you know, just stuff like that. And, and so it just, it's like a story and characters all woven together, and it's very lighthearted. There's no sex, drama, trauma, bad things that happen at all. <laughs> it's just very sweet. Well, it is, and you know, and that's family oriented. It's like the days yes. of, of June Cleaver, you know, leave it to be. <laughs> well, there's nothing yes. simplistic. Well, I shouldn't say that because my husband, uh, as rough and tough as he is, he loves the Hallmark Channel. That is his, he'll come home and he'll turn that on. People want something easy breezy. They don't want all this gun violence. They right. don't want to see the excessive uh uh, ex exploitation of people. They don't want to see the drug use. They don't want to hear the profanity. So again, you know, I pay you uh, homage for that because, you know, it's the simple things. That's what I try to do here on the edge. I try to make it simple and easy, but I get down and dirty. I'm going to ask the tough questions because people want to know. Right. And so what I discovered, so this, this has been a journey for me. It's heartscape journey is as a title for no re for a reason. And that is that uh, I didn't realize what I was doing or knew what I was doing. I was just being obedient to what came to me and writing the stories one by one. So eventually I was like, well, I better hire a podcast coach. So um, she's actually a copyright uh, writer. Her name is Jennifer Breeze. And uh, she was listening to one of my podcasts 
uh, the, I should say, before it was finished, it was just a prototype mm-hmm. and in the car with her daughter, who was eight. And the next day, the daughter was doing the hummingbird voice. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. So this is something that both parents and children can listen to. That's why I see the reconciliation. And scripture talks about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And so the idea is, you know, in our culture today, there's this huge divide between generations. And why, you know, and this is something that generations can listen to, sit down together, parents, grandparents, and children, and have conversation about, well, what do you think about the polar bear? Well, what's going to happen to the hummingbird? And the, the, the Lord showed me a blue sword, which turns into a maiden, complete with electricity and crackling and all this. Wow. And then I, I talked to, this is the other component of my podcast. I love collaboration. So there's a woman I know who creates these um, on the computer kinds of uh, visual video kinds of things. And she created a blue sword. And um and the name of the sword is discernment. So in Hebrew, there's no word for discernment. It's wisdom and judgment. And so she figured out how to put those two concepts together and create the sword. It's just phenomenal, uh, really, what's occurred from the result of this collaborating with this I, woman. I see a KPBS special, uh, <laughs> a children's special. And I love stuff, too. So I'm all about the, you know, the puppets. And I love puppets. And that's what I want to do. I want to create another thing similar to Sesame Street, but kind of a little bit more hip, uh, you know, for what's going on. And you mentioned something that's very on trend. Why is there a separation? Um, it's mm. biblical. It's in scripture. Mm-hmm. The generation now growing up, X, Y, and Z, are about 10 years developmentally delayed than what we were. Mm. Their communication style is different. Mm. Their sexual orientation and choices around that is different. Their love for life and responsibility, the lack of a religious doctrine and discipline is Mm. missing. And I'm glad you brought that up because I purposely wanted to create these uh, without a strong religious take one way or the other. I saw it as a way for it to be very general if you have any kind of spiritual background you'll hear the nuances in there but it's not ostentatious you know there's a lot of stuff that's done i have veggie tales and some of these other things that's very openly christian and there's nothing wrong with that it has its place but i really saw this as more of a widespread kind of very more generic uh spiritually so that uh, it could be for a, a a wider broader scope of people and you know so, what, uh, parents, you need to teach your children that there's something bigger and better than them, okay? And and you going somewhere. <laughs> you know, if it's back to ash, if it's under the ground, wherever, but there is going to be a transition and death is as significant as life. Because and that's because you're, gu- you're guaranteed, you, you're not guaranteed to live. You know, you may come through the portal of the birth canal and not survive. But once you get here, believe me, there is a term limit. And that's a very good point, too, because it's not named Heartscape Journey for no reason. So this is about the journey into the heart. And so where do we go, you know, if not to our heart? 
And so looking to our heart and to understand what is the journey that we're taking within. And uh, I kind of walk a, a fine line because in the, the way I grew up, you know, we didn't worship critters and all this stuff. And I'm not suggesting that I'm doing that, but there's a lot to be said about those creatures that are in our world that God created that have something to say to us in a very major way. And so listening to what they have to say and seeing how we can incorporate that into our life is a super valuable thing, I think, for, for us today. Well, with your experience in Africa and Kenya, you have seen the most majestic animals live in their natural mm -hmm. habitat, not behind a fence at the zoo, yeah. not, you know, uh, at the circus, not in a tank with the, the whales, but you've right. actually seen how they migrate how they hunt, how they gather, how yep. the mother takes care of their young. So you right. are really being able to speak their language. You know, I used to tell my husband all the time, he says, why does the dog always come to you? I said, because you don't speak bark. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can appreciate that and, and what you're saying. And the most simplistic thing is really what resonates in people's hearts. You know, mm. come full blast, hard charging, you know, whipping them with the doctrine and, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. It turns people off. It makes them afraid. But if you open the heart to the gentleness, to the simplicity, to the love, I think that it really works well. So talk to us a little bit about the um, reconciliation that you want to have with educators, because that's key. Tell me about the work you're doing there. Yeah. So I have a 12 week encounter group that I host. And the idea is we look at each character a week and uh, see how those characteristics can benefit the instructors or educators or coaches or administrators who work in education in their, um, in their personal life. Because it really is about the heart. So uh, last night I was online doing a live presentation about the polar bear. And what would it be like to stand in the classroom and know your true north and be and feel that true north because, you know, you can imagine like when it is for a teacher, there's uh, the administration, there's the students, there's the parents, like you can never make everyone happy all the time. And so having yourself centered in that true north in your heart is really important when uh, that that reconciliation of your own self first, uh, before you start to reconcile what's going on in your classroom, what's going on with the parents, what's going on with the administrators. Like it, it, it has to be an inside out job. It can't be the other way around. <laughs> right. And it has to be able to, you, you have to work in conjunction with the parents. Yes. Uh, they separate themselves, but you know what? They got a rude awakening when it came time for um, when COVID hit and they had to deal with that little individual that the teacher has always been sending a note about saying that, you know what, I'm having problems with your child. They didn't even know who this child was. They had no idea who this little person was. Trying to teach the math, trying to uh, deal with behavioral issues, trying right. to even get them to sit still to pay attention. Yeah. It was a challenge. I had right. a little neighbor that was down the street and he had a young mother. She was a single parent. And um, one day I was down there during you know COVID. And she was going ham on him. She was screaming and hollering and she was yanking on his shoulder and stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, everything okay? No, I can't take it. His dad's out here, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Sit him down at my house on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I said, everybody in the community knows who I am. 
real cool. I said, I want, to, want him to meet Mr. Magnificent. That's my husband. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you, my husband took him and taught him how to make things, but made a birdhouse with wood. Me and him worked in the garden. We caught bugs, came in. He had never had soul food before. I cooked him a good meal. And when it was time for him to go back to school, he started to cry. He said, I want to go to Miss April's house on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, you know, it just gave his mother a break. Right. Before she actually broke, you know, and people just don't know how to recognize the signs and symptoms and trauma of their kids. Unfortunately, now it's been where uh, the children are getting medicated. You know, okay, well, let's give them a little, let's give them a little pill and they'll sit down. They won't be disruptive. You know, you'll be able to deal with the other 15 while these 10, 10 kids are sitting here like zombies. But on the flip side of that, I've been watching and observing some amazing things that are happening where they're teaching children mindfulness, where they're mm -hmm. teaching them uh, emotional freedom technique, tapping, where Beautiful. they're teaching them how to, you know, to meditate and to quiet the monkey mind and not punish them and shun them and, mm -hmm. and uh, discipline them. Because, you know, me and you grew up in the day where you got your little butt paddled or your hands yeah. paddled. You know, corporal punishment was, was the thing to get your Correct. mind right. But now that's yeah. not it. But we also need to <clears throat> honor, reward, and recognize um, the individuals that dedicate their life to education because like nursing, they're falling by the wayside. Mass exodus of educators. They right. just don't want to do it anymore because the responsibility and the liability right. yes. so, mm -hmm. is so strong. So you working in this space is really encouraging as well. Tell me a little bit about your background. We jumped right into your philanthropic and to your nonprofit, but where does this heart come from? Yeah, so I was a, a, in administration for 15 years, and then I was an instructor for 15 years and actually in education for 17 years. The last two years of the time that I spent in education, I was working on the back end. So we were an allied health school. And we had uh, classes that were nine to 10 months long, uh, dental assistant, medical assistant, medical administrative assistant. So it was my job in those last two years to create an externship for them and get them prepared for the job. So make sure that they were interview ready, make sure that they had their resume ready and all those kinds of things. And uh, so I'm, I'm really, you know, I taught English as a second language. I taught adult basic education. I taught business classes. Uh, and so I have the heart of educating. Uh, and so in a way, the podcast is that. It's an education, but it's a different kind. I believe that the best way to learn is to experience uh, with a guide. And so I'm the guide in this Heartscape journey uh, to walk people through what they're experiencing through the the barriers and navigating through the obstacles that they have to face uh, which is really about what's inside of us right because uh, we can only deal with the outside world to the level that we've dealt with our inside world exactly uh, and and then the podcast is the the money that comes from the podcast a portion of that so goes towards my nonprofit. Uh, so the nonprofit is a beautiful thing because it has uh, all you need is $10 for one kit and that will last a girl three years and then she oh, can finish really? high school. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. she can finish high school and uh, she can go to college if she wants to or get married when she wants to. It completely changes the trajectory of her life mm. because most of them end up uh, either not in school or pregnant and not married. Now that's a whole nother back block. Uh, and the, the, the simple thing of the sani pad created a whole school. So the women got comfortable about coming to school because they have a reusable sani pad. So uh, they started uh, teaching the, the women how to make sani pads. Then they started a computer class. They started an embroidery class and they started a welding class. So it's a whole trade school there wow. in Kimilili now from the simple catalyst of creating sandy pads. Jean Bonds, what do you want your legacy to be? Wow. <laughs> um, you know, I have a legacy already, and that is the legacy of this work that I have in Kenya. And now this podcast, uh, leaving that for my children so that they can one day pick up those things and carry it on was what I thought I wanted, but I've already passed on my, uh, my, the board of directors to a new president and vice president and treasurer in Kenya, and they're powerfully taking it on now. Uh, I can't get away with nothing, so I'm still the secretary, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I have a legacy as I live now that is continuing you know, so it's a living legacy. <laughs> it is, it is. And you are a queen and never let anyone turn down your light. Thank you so much for being here on the edge with us, Jean Bonds. You are the absolute best. Um, it's such a giving heart, such a giving spirit and a beautiful smile <laughs> and a funky haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, so April. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how they can support you. Brains support $10. You can't even get really a tank of gas with $10. Go ahead and do it. Jean, I'm going to send you my $10. Uh, and I'm going to encourage my friends. I'm going to challenge you at least five. Okay. At least five of my brains. 88,000 of you listen to me. I've touched you in 42 countries. You can give Jean and her team and her mission, her cause, and some young woman the opportunity to grow with $10. Okay. So we're going to yeah. put all the information on the back. We're going to just put it in your face over and over and over again until you say, you know what? I don't want to give 10. I want to give 20. So I challenge you to do that. Yeah. How do they $10 get a month changes 12 girls' lives a year. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So tell them how to get in contact with Eugene. So uh, J-E-A-N dot L dot B-O-N-S at gmail.com is my email address. Heartscapejourney at gmail.com is my uh, podcast and then international leadership outreach at gmail.com there's no second l in the middle uh is also for that particular one uh then also you can find heartscape journey at gumroad.com uh i will put those links in there so that you can click on them i think it's easier than me quoting them <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we're going to, we're going to definitely do that. We're going to post those. And again, the challenge is on brains. Okay. So I need you to meet the, uh, what will they say? Meet the rubber where the road is. All right. Put your bunny where your mouth is. I got a bunch right. of, 
So yeah. anyway, thank you so much, Jean, for being here with us and sharing the amazing work that you're doing and being an inspiration and being a light. Friends, go in, like, love, subscribe. Like, love, subscribe, and share, okay? This, if it's not for you, it's for somebody you know, believe and trust. There's 7 billion people on the planet. Thank you so much, Jean Bond. You're the best. Thank you, April. All right. Bye, brains. Have a good day. 